0: I hope you're having a wonderful week wherever you are listening to this podcast episode. Whether you are cleaning your room, washing the dishes, preparing a meal, driving in the car, or listening during your work hours, this episode today is inspiring. It's a conversation with a dear friend of mine, Samara. She is a Pakistani immigrant as well as a mother, a wife, and someone who really knows the importance and beauty of planting roots and the longevity of that and what it can bring to your life and the ripple effect that it can have to the generations that come after you. This conversation is super special because Samara opens up for the first time probably ever outside of her immediate family of her story of being an undocumented immigrant and how that impacted the trajectory of her life. I have been friends with Samara for over a decade. And so we unpack her story here and she really, really shares some important points for those who might also be dreamers or friends of those who are dreamers that there is a power in telling and sharing your story so, where and when do we feel comfortable in opening up? And that is the beauty as well in building a community that makes us feel safe, safe to be vulnerable, and safe to show up as our whole self. Severa talks about becoming a wife and mother, and wow, has she created such a colorful life for herself? And I know that there's so much that we can all learn from Severa's story. Enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Kiko Roy Carey and this is A Colorful
1: Life. Hi Samara, how are you? Hi Kiko, it's so good to see you. I'm doing well. We talk quite often actually. Yeah, for sure. I think you're one of my few friends that I at least have regular updates on and I just saw you a couple weeks ago which is always really nice. Yeah, it hasn't always been like that for us. I think our friendship has definitely been like you know, there's been seasons where we don't talk as much just because life happens, right? And also distance um, as far as location. But then, I don't know, I feel like we've been in this group in the past year or two where we do talk quite often, usually like through text or uh, meeting in person. Yeah, it's been, um, I feel like when I graduated, I don't think we saw each other for a couple of years or even connected at all, but I feel like we always kind of come back for big occasions. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what matters, like, you know, yeah. weddings or, you know, when a parent dies and you sort of have to show up for big things. And I think that's what really solidifies a friendship is to be there for, or at least have some good intentions out there. If you're not able to fly to Korea or like come back to America yeah. for things. Right. So I feel like that's, you're always, you're always there. And I feel like you're definitely become a closer friend of mine over the years. Oh, I I mean, you, you've been there for me and times where I didn't expect you, like my mom's passing, you just showed up at the funeral. I had no idea you were going to come. um, And that just, that meant so much to me. So thank you for that. Just being present, present there. Um, And then I mean, so many things have happened. We'll we'll get into it, how much life has changed since we met <laughs> in college. Um, but let's back up. Where are you living? Where are you located? Um, so we can kind of paint that picture of where. Yeah, um, I live in North Carolina. I've been living here for probably 25 plus years at this point of my life. Um, I've been in Raleigh for almost six years at this point and moved here when I got married. And I don't have any plans of leaving Raleigh for the foreseeable future. I love it here. Uh, I love the diverse community. I love the accessibility to where everything is and just really enjoy my time here and wouldn't wouldn't change it. I know people run away from North Carolina, but you know, this is home and my parents live an hour and a half away. My in-laws live across the street and I just love being around community and family. So I'm here for good. you when you say so many people run away, I don't think it's just like North Carolina specifically. Maybe it's people have this tendency to try to get us far away from where their story began or their story started. But you are one of the well not yeah I would say one of the few friends that I have that have you know stayed in the place where they grew up um and you love it. And I can, we'll get into it, but I can see why you love it because you've created such a beautiful life for yourself mm-hmm. um, and a community as well. And I, the older I get, I start to realize how important it is to not just plant roots, but that community that can only come from time, like uh, being at one place for years or really investing in the people around you and that's how the depth actually forms in in your relationships and in your community so there is something to say about being somewhere for a long time (laughs) because i'm sure your your network is not just in your family but it's probably like throughout the your entire community people who extend outside of your most intimate relationships as well Yeah. And it has definitely been intentional. I feel like when I graduated college, I wanted to run away. Right. You know, I want to like go to DC or take a job somewhere else, but I've always really been rooted. Um, like I talk to my mom every single day, that's just a daily part of my life. And so she was just always really about like staying close to home. So I feel like, um, yeah, I've been able to create those roots and really ground myself in it. And yeah, I think most of my connections are people in North Carolina. Most of my friends and circles now are Muslim people that I've been cultivating relationships, right? And it is like the whole other dynamic of having kids as well, right? You want to provide as much stability as possible and you want them to be around people that you respect and want them to admire, right? So there are all of these other pieces that sort of come into play. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, it's rooted in family and being able to like, if something were to happen to my parents, I can show up, you know, within an hour and a half. And that's, I find that really beautiful. And that's, that's my priority. Yeah, I agree. I think that is really beautiful. You already gave us a lot of um, details about yourself. And so before jumping in, I just kind of want to say how our story began and what brought us to this point. So we met at App State, Mm -hmm. Appalachian State University. And how did, we, we had a mutual friend. That's how we met. We had a mutual friend, so I, I believe I was already living with our friend Kelsey at the time in an apartment. I, I think I'm two years older than you. So I think you're, are you two year, you were two, you graduated two years after I did. Um, so Kelsey invited us to a dance uh, performance that she was having I don't think I've ever been to a dance performance at that point really? <laughs> yeah it, yeah it's it's sort of uh I was interested in it like obviously wanted to support Kelsey so I showed up and you all were dancing it's beautiful I've never seen anything like that I'm like the most unathletic person and it's just like seeing creativity and beauty come to life on stage so I think what happened was that you and Kelsey after the performance came down Um, to like where we were sitting. I think, I feel like I remember you standing behind me and then Kelsey was like, oh, and this is my friend Kiko. And, you know, she dances with me. And I think that was it. And then I don't know what happened after that, where it just, I don't know how you just kind of became in the mix of everything. Um, And then it was sort of like, we had very similar interests, Um, like political views, like philosophical views. We had a lot of the same professors that we really enjoyed, um we had a lot of the same values we would talk about religion and I think it just kind of we like connected Mm -hmm. and um and then I feel like what you were always kind of like you were there but it really has been over the years like that relationship has really developed but I feel like there was some sort of connection in the beginning like oh okay this we kind of connect on a different level um so that's how I see it I, I don't know about you you're gonna be like no that's perfect it's it's nice right because I think rarely do you sit down with your friends or close friends and you talk about okay so what was it like when we first met you don't really go back and trace back to that time because so much happens that you're not really thinking about it so like to hear to hear have these conversations and then to hear how people saw like you know our the beginning of our relationship Mm -hmm. is really interesting but I completely agree that's exactly how I remember it The only difference I would say is, um, of course, you were roommates with Kelsey, so that's how we ended up hanging out more, but you were the one, Samara, who introduced me and all of the girls, and there's a group of, like, I would say eight of us, eight or eight of us, around eight of us, and you introduced us to the amazing world of international students at App State and the App Peers, and I've had um Gonzalo on this episode on this podcast a few episodes back and he was an app here of Kelsey mm-hmm.
0: but you introduced us to this community how did you get involved with it
1: I never asked you yeah so um so starting in high school I was really involved in like being in extracurricular clubs and that sort of carried on into college right so Um, How I met Kelsey and everyone was through um, Asian Student Association, so ASA. So I was like a pretty active member of that uh, club. And then the other club that I had joined was International Appalachian or INTAP. And so one of the programs that they had was at peers. And so one of the people who I'm still very close to, Allison, used to head at peers. And so she graduated a year ahead of me. So she's like, why don't you take on that peers? And I'm like, I don't know anybody. Like, because the whole point (laughs) is kind of like connect people. And so I like got the opportunity to kind of make it how I wanted to. And so I feel like I just sent like Facebook messages to all my friends, like, hey, Kiko, do you want to become an app peer to so-and-so? And then everyone was like, yeah, why not? And so it just kind of started like that. And what's interesting is like, I don't think I'm in touch with any of the at peer people. Like mine was uh, Laura from Germany. And I don't think I've talked to her in years, but I feel like you've met with her, <laughs> seen her in Germany and Spain. Um, so that was sort of my connection into it. And I guess kind of bring everyone into it. Everyone was so open to it. And then we started hanging out with people outside of just that at peer interaction um, on campus. And I think it really blossomed into a lot of friendships so it's so great to hear like you're still connected with people from that time and they become really close friends but that was sort of that was that was sort of the connection in and just like I've always really been interested in those uh, like being a part of the international community you know I am an immigrant like I was born in Pakistan so that's still very important to me that's still a part of my culture my identity that I am someone that has never fully fit in in the U.S. To, and to connect with other people out has always been a big point of curiosity for me.
0: Mm-hmm. So did you create App Pierce, Samara? Was that your idea or was it
1: you just, you say you took I'm, over the Intap? Int- yeah, well, I think it already existed. I think I sort of made it my own with mm-hmm. uh, like sort of the, like the regular meetups and um, just like keeping it going. But I'm pretty sure it already existed it already existed but you you took it samara and you made it what it is what it was um i would say today i don't know what it is today but you, you made it what it what it what what it became and you like you, i owe this podcast i owe like if i if i'm really gonna if you're uh-huh. really gonna trace back the origins of, of really pivotal moments in your life and it is so important to the community that you have, that you choose, that you create and participate in, is so important. And this is a perfect example of why it's so important. Because the people that you spend your time with, that invest in you, you invest in them, their impact lasts over years, decades, or you can't even perceive how the different strings strings and the intricacies and how they all tie together. And this is the origin story of a colorful life. This is the origin story of all of my travels was because of at Pierce, Samara. So, you know, <laughs> you you're the you're the beginning of all of it. Because if you hadn't introduced me and the girls to that experience, university would not have been what it was for me. Because I probably would have had completely different friends. I would not have studied abroad it was the it, it was there were two international students that encouraged me to study abroad okay. and um magic and then there was also a danish uh guy, stefan <laughs> encouraged me to, to study abroad samara thank you for that even though I've said it to you yeah. a lot of times, um, but really truly, I think I don't think you really understand but you really are the reason that uh, <laughs> that I say or I know all those people. Really our password, yes. I think it it works both ways. Um, so App State is 92% white, right? And so when you're at App State, you already feel like you don't fit in. So creating that community of international people or people of color is I feel like that was incredibly important to me because like I remember in the beginning that I felt like people were staring at me but when we were in those like international sectors it just felt like that's where we belong and so when I hear the statistic of Abstate being like 92% white I'm like no it's not are you sure but like we intentionally put ourselves and created those spaces for us to fit in and that has like that has made my experience at Abstate so much more positive And I think as you were saying as well, right? It like, it created this like own little dimension for us that Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have existed where we didn't fit in or we felt, you know like we didn't belong. So I think that also like ties into uh, like seeing that little microcosm of international people and then actually getting to experience that by studying abroad or living Mm -hmm. abroad and all of that. So it kind of all ties in together and yeah. Uh, absolutely, because you don't know what you don't know or what yeah. you've never experienced. And so that's why it's so important to collect experiences, to meet different type of people with different views, because the world literally, quite literally opens up for you. So um, that was just, that was a really huge season in my life, for sure. I know that you talked a bit about your um, y- your experience being an immigrant in the U.S. and like, going to university but still, there are so many people with a similar story, but they don't get as in, like deeply involved and entrenched and meeting different people or taking kind of taking command or control over their experience and creating it. So, what is it? Maybe it's something your experience before coming to App or your childhood that made you such a go getter. I don't know, Samara, you're like, you're someone that you just, it just happened. You- I will definitely not call myself a go-getter. Um, I really believe in connecting people. I think that I think that's what I'm realizing about myself. It's like people are scared, not you, but like people are scared to put themselves out there to connect someone or do a favor or just. And for me, it's like, it's just so natural for me. It's like, oh, Kiko has this interest. Let me connect her to this person. And I don't know if that's, it's probably rooted in my mom because she's exactly like that as well. And it's not even to the point of, like, I don't even remember right? Like you're telling me these things and it's like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, like appears. And and for some, like I hadn't thought about it in years at this point, but I feel like that's just who I am is that I want people to connect and it can be outside of me. Like, it doesn't have to be, it could be like, if you and someone becomes a friend, that's cool. Like, please let your friendship, friendship blossom. And that's kind of what has happened. Um, so I think it is very similar to like my mom, my mom does that. Uh, she's more, my mom is more, uh, like stays in touch with people, which I'm not great at. And I understand that that is also a skill set to stay connected with people and check in on people. And I feel like I'm not great at that part of it. But yeah, I I just really, I believe in people and I believe in connections. And that's just, that's what it is at the end of the day. That's beautiful. And I want to say, Samara, I've noticed you improve in that area over the path of, of checking in. I don't know if I'd say improve, but I'm just using me as an example that you really do check in. So I would no longer use that narrative for yourself that you're not great at checking in, because I don't think that's true. At least for me, in my experience, I don't know if I'm just special and you you don't check in on anyone else. <laughs> but you do, you do say like, how are things going? And so it, it also leans what you just said, how you got this ability to really connect people in your network from seeing your mother do that, it's so true that our experiences and those first learnings of what it means to be human or um, basically building up our personalities or our skills or the way we move through the world are from the first humans that we ever experience, right? And it's so... Um, intriguing to me, but also obvious because from the conversations I've had in the past, that is an, another ongoing thread that I mm-hmm. see um, that people really trace back just who they are now to what they've seen their parents do or those experiences with their siblings. So that's just another thing that we could all reflect on because maybe some, in this case, it's a beautiful and great thing, but sometimes mm-hmm. it might ne- not necessarily Be the case so we should really think about reflect on
0: you know why why do I do this
1: or what about my personality or how I exist in the world don't I enjoy so you know where does that come from but that's a a whole nother conversation so while we were back to app and I'll tie it up tie this app state story up because so much has happened since then but when we were when you introduced us to app peers and then we all started to I mean I studied abroad with mm-hmm. some other friends studied abroad and then I always it was always in the back of my head but we didn't have this conversation t- <laughs> until literally <laughs> two years ago it uh-huh. was two years ago and I had always wondered why don't you study abroad I think I had asked you and then maybe you said I don't know what you told me you just said like oh you graduating early or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you did. You did graduate early. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I always had wondered, like, you obviously, it something like didn't connect in my head because I was like, Samara's so she's so worldly in the sense that she loves meeting other people, experiencing other cultures. She's what it introduced us. So I always had wondered, like, why didn't she study abroad? Yeah. And then I found out years later if you're okay to tell your story. But I think a lot of people um, haven't, might have friends in similar situations right now and don't even know about it. And then people who have the same experience as you, I mean, representation there is so important. So I'll let you tell. Well, there's actually like, there's two big reasons that I didn't study abroad. Um, so the, like, there's a religious reason and then there's like an actual, uh, demographic reason, right? So a religious reason is that in Islam, um, women are not supposed to travel without someone that's a mahram. So that's someone that could be like your father, your brother, your uncle, your husband, an adult son, right? So even me going to App State was a huge point of contention in my family because my mother did not want me to go somewhere, live somewhere else where there wasn't a mahram in place. Um, so getting her to decide on that was a big deal. So like having to have her say that I could study abroad was like, was not even on the table. Like that was just not the kind of family we are. And so a lot of it stems from, which is like what's happening right now, right? It's like when women are away from their family or are abroad, what can happen is that there's just a lot of abuse, right? We're talking, you know, 1400s after the time where Islam was revealed and women are still being assaulted and abused, and like we're still in the Me Too movement happening, right? So it's really to protect you from being in those awkward situations, with the hope that the person that you're with, uh, like the the male counterpart that you're with, is able to kind of care for you during those times. So it wasn't even a point of conversation in my family to study abroad. Um, the second big point is that I was undocumented in a sense. Um, so when my parents came to the United States, they overstayed their visa. And this is actually, as you're saying, it's like actually a pretty common story. Um, most people think that people like cross the border and that's how they don't have any status in America. And so, but what most people are are people that have came to the United States, like we did on a visit visa or a family visa or a business visa, and then you just stay in the U S and you overstay. So. Like one of the big reasons that I went to App State was because in the state of North Carolina, you cannot pay in state tuition if you do not have status. So I had to pay out of state tuition, and App State was the cheapest school in North Carolina that offered uh, in state tuition or out of state tuition. Um, So I paid double what everybody else did, even though I had lived in North Carolina at that point for probably um, 16 years. So that is sort of my background of it. So a lot of decisions in my life were around that. And so I didn't even get to travel until I got married and got my green card. So that didn't even happen until I was probably 28 years old. It was like the first time that I left the United States since coming here at a year and a half. When you had told me this, I was we were at your house, my husband and I, and... Actually, you didn't tell me, but your, your, nah, your, your husband told me. <laughs> it turned bright red, like, oh. <laughs> and I was, and I mean, thank you so much for opening up and sharing with me and also just being gracious to sh- trust me to share the story on this platform as well. So I just want, want to really tell you, I don't take that lightly. That was another moment in my life that really shifted my perspective, because you really even to like down to the root of it all. You never know what someone is going through right. or what their experience is. Yeah. And this is a perfect case of that because I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure all of our friends, I don't think you told anyone. When I look back on it, it makes sense because of a lot of different things. Now I'm like, oh, that's why Samara didn't drive yeah. at all. Yeah. She was older than all of us. And yeah. she- drive or when we start talking about graduating and like getting a job that yeah. was an area that you really we talked about but you just didn't really know like what what would I be doing yeah and it was for a different reason from all of us yeah uh, we just didn't know <laughs> what we were going to be doing with our life and you uh-huh. that was probably some of that mixed in with you but also like how can you get a job when you're don't or you're undocumented mm-hmm. um, and in this case is the same as, as a dreamer. Would, is that? I, yeah. So, so yeah, to unpack all of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's why I didn't drive and I didn't get my license until I was in my twenties. Um, and even I didn't tell people because I felt like I didn't want to be defined by being undocumented. I didn't want to take on that shame. I didn't want people to pity me. I was also scared of being potentially deported Um, it's also stemmed from having trust issues with people. So I didn't want to tell people about it. Um, but what I've realized is that the more and more I've talked about it, I feel like people, it, people are very kind and they will help you no matter what. So like the example that comes to mind is when I went to grad school and I just, I was just at the interview to like get into my MPA program. And I just. Told the director that like I'm undocumented, I can't pay out of state tuition, but I really want to go into this program. And she's like, "We will figure it out." Mm -hmm. And what she basically did was she got me a grad assistant position, and my tuition was completely free. And I got ten thousand dollars out of it. Yeah, just because I had that one conversation with her, and she just changed the course of my life. Yeah, and even career wise, like you're absolutely right. I am a I'm a driven person, and I wanted to be a lawyer but I knew that I could not practice law because of my my visa situation. So that was actually the reason that I went into nonprofits, right? So like the first job that I took out of undergrad was an unpaid internship in Montana, right? Because I couldn't take anything that was paid. And so the reason that I was eventually able to get a job was because in like June 2012, I remember... Our friend, our mutual friend Charmaine Feist, she didn't know this. She just sent like a text message, like, "Oh, Obama just passed the Deferred Action of Childhood Arrivals DACA. He passed this. Um, what well, was like an executive order, and what it did was it, you could get work authorization and you could get a driver's license." Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing that, and I was like working at my dad's store at the time because that was the only form of employment I could do, um, and I remember just like shaking. Like like I Charmaine didn't even know that this article that she sent me, I don't even think I told her this, that changed my life literally. Um so I read it and I like I sent it to my entire family. And literally like I think a couple months later, I applied for DACA. I got the work authorization and then I applied for my master's program, I got my license. And so like the beauty of DACA is that you're like able to work and get an income, right? um but the bad part about it is that you still can't get legal authorization to like live and be a functioning whole person in the United States right you're still in this limbo of having to reapply every 2 years and at least the benefit for me is that because my parents came technically legally from being uh, on their visit visa they i was able to like get married marry like a US citizen and get my green card process but if someone were to like illegally cross the border, they could never get like legal authorization to live in the US and get their citizenship. Samara, just there's so much in there and all of this I had no idea about like what the experience because you you read these
0: like it's so many things in life where you read these stories and they're so outside of you until mm-hmm. you know someone who's lived it and it changes like your entire
1: Um, experience with was that and I'm not saying my viewpoints change because I've always held the belief that you know borders are so arbitrary and we're all just humans and you know you we should have the right to create our life in another place especially such brilliant people um, with different experiences who bring their culture, their experiences, their views. And that's what makes the United States uh, what it is essentially. But to hear that you were going through all of these things and you know the reasons why you didn't share were because you didn't want to be pitied or you also just didn't want to have the, the anxiety around knowing that someone else, you know, knows this, this secret, right? And they have to to keep it with you as well. And it's easier if you, you're the only one that knows, right? And you just don't have to worry about, you know, being fit, figured out or something. But then also that the power
0: of sharing your story, I think is something we can pull out of this experience as well. Because if you hadn't shared your story at, gra- at the grad school, you
1: were, I'm trying to apply for then you would not have been able to receive those opportunities go for free and you know and get a grad assistant position so there's really something so powerful about I would say also you go with your intuition your gut you know if there's someone you could trust and you can't trust but there's so something so powerful about trusting people to be good and to do the right thing like to help you because we're all
0: collectively here having this human experience together and so and that was so brave of you to even open up to share that but then also
1: for um the professor who mm-hmm. actually helped you like that she changed your life like she, she really did um and that's just that's incredible so i'm so grateful for her But what would you say then, Samara, to people who are currently, because I'm sure there are people listening to this who are currently um, undocumented or in having that experience. They might be in university right now as well. Like, what would you encourage them to do? And then also maybe validate, how could you validate someone like that and who is experiencing
0: that type of uncertainty? But then also the second part to that question is, as a friend or a loved one who is outside of that person's like immediate you know circle maybe not their family how do you support someone in that in that way
1: yeah um i think i think it's important to speak up when you are comfortable and that i feel like has really redirected the course of my life and i i wonder about that um And, like, to your second part of the question, it's like if I had told you, or if I had told the people that I was living with, right? It's like needing a ride back home or needing to go to the grocery store instead of taking the bus or whatever it is would have been a really easy fix if you had known, like, okay, Samara can't drive because of this, this, and this, right? Like, it's almost like you're able to support someone in that when you probably. Yeah, as you didn't know that that was the reason it wasn't happening. So there really are just like offering a ride to someone or offering to pick something up or just being sort of a source to vent or even keeping up with what's happening with with immigration, right? It really does change month by month. Um, And even just building a community because there are millions of people that are in this exact same situation. And I felt so alone. And I think knowing now that I have come across people in my life where it's like, Oh yeah, I had that same experience. And I was like, I had no idea. But if I had been more vocal about it or hadn't been so scared to talk about it, it really could have, um, it really could have opened doors. Like even like the grad assistant story I'm telling you about, I don't think I told anyone that. And I think about it now that if I had mentioned it or written about it or something, maybe it would have helped somebody else out. Right. Like maybe if I had said it, when I was applying to App State, I'm undocumented, I need support, I can't apply for any sort of financial aid, maybe App State would have like lessened my tuition or had paid in-state tuition or something, right? So there is, there is a lot of importance to being vocal, but there really is just so much shame. And, you know, lack of trust around this that I also understand why I did what I did. So mm-hmm. it it's really twofold. And I can, and I but I also feel like this, next generation is incredibly vocal. And there's just so much support around this that I really, and now there's like scholarships for people that have DACA and we have come a long way in a decade. That is for sure. And I think the U S has become more welcoming in that sense, at least. So mm-hmm. we are definitely further along than it was 10 years ago. There's so much that has changed since that time you were in university, but also it's still the experience of, of uncertainty of someone who is undocumented, that's one thing that doesn't change, right? Because you're still, you, especially in a country that is so polarized politically, like you truly never really know, unless you know that person well, like what their beliefs are or, you know, the type of person they are. So it's really, I, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is to navigate um, that uncertainty and to be really in a sense like to try to be smart about it in that aspect of when is the when is sharing this information
0: going to be beneficial or when is sharing this information actually going to be to my detriment and you know that's a big extreme because if it is to your detriment then that's that's
1: it like you you can you only have one chance to tell that information to the wrong person mm-hmm. And your life is completely different in in an instant, nearly. Okay. So yeah, that's that is terrifying, Samara. That is and really heavy. And still to this day, even though you're married, you're a citizen of the United States now, right? Um, I I still am just always when I think about that time in university and having no idea that 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 was your experience. It's just still so shocking to me. And then, as you just said, all the things that you um, were doing on your own, not just because you're independent, but because you, because we just didn't know. Like there were so many times where we could have helped. And we could have helped you and you didn't have to do those things alone. And that also makes me really sad. So I think there's also something to say about being open with your friends Mm-hmm. And not assuming that everyone's experience is similar to yours. Right. But I don't know how that conversation could have come about just because, I don't know, I, I think the world was very different. Even though that was like 10, 10 or 11 years ago, it's not that long, but it was so different. I feel like the collective consciousness of, you know, of the world because of all of these things, TikTok and just social media and um just political activism, how much it's changed during the pandemic, we're having these conversations that we just really did not have, Mm -hmm. which is so crazy to think about because it wasn't that long ago, but there were so many things that I guess we just didn't really understand. We knew what it meant to be undocumented or we knew what, you know, Dream or or DACA, especially as poli-sci majors, we understood those things, but it never clicked. Like you might have people in your circle around you that are actually experiencing this. Yeah, I mean, well, it's always like it's othering, right? It's yeah. like, oh, that doesn't, that can't be my life, right? And I think even if it did come up as a conversation, I probably still yeah. wouldn't have said anything. Like yeah. I really am self-s- self-sufficient and I'm very independent. That's just who I am as a person. So to have this crutch on me, I was going to work through it no matter what, mm-hmm. Right. I was going to take the bus. I was going to, you know, walk if I had to, right? I was going to pay out-of-state tuition without complaining about it. Like, that's just who I am as a person, that I don't want to put that burden on anyone, on any friendship whatsoever. So that that's kind of how I saw it. So my next question for you, Snare, is
0: how how is that,
1: is that changing at all, where you recognize that you're not a burden to friends or to loved ones that this is what community is meant for is and now in this season in your life as an adult you know now a mother how has your your thoughts on that changed at all like you can be independent you can um take care of things for yourself but also we need other people to to help us and yeah I would say I'm still incredibly selective <laughs> on this. I still try to be as independent. I would much rather help anyone any day than to take any help myself. Um, and even like people that watch my children, I'm very selective on who that is, right? I It's my in-laws or it's someone that I've known for years. Like there are very few people that I even allow into my life that I don't fully trust. So no, I think I'm still 100% (laughs) working through that. And, and I get that like seasons of life change for sure. Uh, But I have a phenomenal support system around me. Like we've talked about this where, um, where like, I think you even said like, you know, it's like, when I gave birth, it's like, I had my mom there. And that's one of your fears, right? Where it's like, you don't have someone there that can like support you or like walk you through how to nurse how to change a diaper things like that but like fortunately for me it's like the people that are closest to me like my mom and dad are still very integral parts of my life and that's a huge blessing and even my in-laws are like the nicest human beings I've ever met so I feel like I don't necessarily branch out but I will say so like the conversation we had yesterday um Uh, like the text conversation we had yesterday, I haven't told people that, but I feel like in the past, maybe I wouldn't have mentioned it to a friend. So maybe in those regards, I am opening up a little bit more about my life than I normally would. Um, But I think that's also because we have built that trust relationship. And I really do consider you as like in my inner circle at this point. Um, So. I, the I world, do you hear that? The world, do you hear that? I made it into Samara's it inner circle. Yeah, right oh. to totally so. <laughs> but um, I get it, Samara. And I, I wasn't saying that as if, oh, I wasn't saying that as if that's something you need to change about yourself. It was just more so like clinging to things, just holding it
0: close to your chest Has that changed? But, you know,
1: if you don't feel like it has to, then that's fine. But also if you do want to open up a little bit more, you're also welcome to do that. that, that I'm, I'm married to someone who is like the biggest open book, which is why <laughs> no. this guy thing came out. I'm like, how could you tell that to somebody? Like, we didn't like, like always a secret in our relationship. I was like, Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I, I imagine actually we left there. I was talking to one day. I was like, I think so. We are in a way, so we're gonna have a conversation <laughs> about this after we leave because. I am like, this is great. I'm learning about my friend who I've known for over a decade now from her husband (laughs) because he's sharing things about her that I didn't even know. So, but thank you always. (laughs) Um, And then also, when you say that you have such a strong community, so true like I've seen all of the photo albums <laughs> <laughs> over and over again <laughs> I mean all 50 of the photo albums that Musa your son just walks me through and I'm just like this is a lot of people I thought I knew a lot of people spare but like you know a lot of people so I yeah. have a lot of awesome awesome family members in my life for sure
0: yeah so, so family I mean okay so after college
1: um, obviously you're in, deep in your career and then you meet Oasis and now you have two cute, adorable little kids. We all go through different shifts in our life and, you know, growth. And then our life looks so different from how we imagined it would look like. Cause I no. do remember in college, we were the same in the sense of, we didn't necessarily know we wanted to have kids. We wanted to have sure. kids. Yeah, At all. And then you're like the first friend that I know that, oh second friend that had, had a kid. Was it just growing up and living life and, um, you know, falling in love and then that changed your mind? Or how did that... I wish it was I'm... that romantic, you <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not sure that it was that romantic, you said? Well, then you tell like the most practical happened. human being ever. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I... Never wanted kids. I'm not a kid person. I'm still awkward around my children. I would much rather have a conversation with an adult any day than to engage with children. I think you are phenomenal with kids. You're awesome with my kids. I think you're better than I am with my kids. No, Savera, no way. Uh, no, they, my kids were obsessed, which is hilarious because they Khadija likes nobody, and she was obsessed with you. Yeah, I, I'm not like kids aren't attracted to me, and I'm just not attracted to kids. It's it's still. Having two kids, still the same situation. Like it's I um so yeah, I didn't want kids and I still don't want kids <laughs> in <laughs> a sense. But yeah, um, so I met Oase through like a mutual someone that like lived in our neighborhood and uh Oase was her nephew. So it was very formal meeting, right? Like the first was like a phone call and we like liked each other. And then he came over that weekend with his entire family and we like had a conversation. And then we were like literally engaged and married a couple weeks later. Like everything happened really, really fast. And so one of Oasis things is like, he's always been around his nephews, loves kids. Um, so he's like, that was like a deal breaker. He's like, I want kids. Like that's the thing. And I'm like, I really like this guy. And I need to make it work. And who is it for me to deny someone this when, um, like, and for me, it's also like a religious thing where it's like, there's a reason to be married and have kids, right? Like, what is the reason? What is the Islamic value behind that? All of this is very practical, right? So like what marriage did for me was like, I never dated. I never went on dates. I tried to stay away from guys as much as I could. And then getting married for me, like the day we got legally Islamically married, I felt so much calmness and love and connection that I had never felt. It was like a switch. And I was like, oh, so this is marriage. Like, this is why we're supposed to get married. This is why it's so important to be with like one person. Um, So when that happened, it's like, OK, so maybe it's like very similar with having kids. We made that decision like, OK, we're going to have kids. I'm OK with it okay, like, let's just see how it goes. And so then I had Musa and I didn't feel motherly in the beginning. It wasn't my thing. It's like, oh, now I have this thing to take care of that cries a lot. And I never changed a diaper before, but then I like saw my parents and how, like he was their first grandson and just like how much love and just how it's like having a kid isn't really about you. Right. It's also about like your parents and your grandparents and they get to see someone like, like my mom says, it's like having a child is like a plant, right? You put in the work, it's not that pretty, but then having a grandchild it's like the fruit that bears from that plant. And you get to like fully like love on this thing that you would have never had the chance to had like you not invested that time into your own children. Right. So it it is about those continuation of relationships. Um, and then eventually at some point you like love your kid and you can't like see your life without them. And they really do bring you joy. It's like, I am, I feel like I'm so much more multidimensional now in the sense that now I can connect with people. Like, cause I went to university. That's like a connection for me. I'm a Muslim. That's a connection for me. I'm a mother. That's a big part of my identity. It's not my only identity. Uh, I'm a wife, right? It makes me so much more dynamic and I can connect with so many more people that I couldn't before. And it really is. And like also seeing things through with a kid the first time in your life, it really is beautiful, right? Like when was the last time you were amazed by the sun? Never, right? It's been like probably 25 years, but like to see that over and over again and to really like, and kind of like all the wrongs that your parents did, like you can kind of fix that and like do what you want. It's like a, an experiment in a sense. So, and then like having a second one, it's like, "Eh, I already had a first one. Like, let's just listen to the kid. It's fine. And you I, and it's been it's been joyful. It's hard, but it's like beautiful, it is joyful and it just makes you just like a, I feel like it makes you a better person because you want to be the best possible human being so that like because the best teacher is yourself. so if i if I'm a terrible human being, my kid's probably going to be awful as well, right? but if I am good, if I take care of myself, if I'm good to them, then hopefully they'll continue that on. So that's how I see it. it's like investing in your kids to change the world and to be a better person and a better human being. I I don't agree with you. You mother beautifully. Though you say that, you know, it's not what you you would have maybe chosen for yourself. But and I also love, you know, before getting married and then getting married and realizing ah this is this is why I waited for this is what I waited for. Or this is so freeing and it's like the weight was lifted off of you and you could now go deeper into um, being your whole self in many ways. And from my friends who I know who have kids, they also mention how becoming a mother is like the next phase in that, because it's another form of therapy, even though sometimes it might seem like torture. <laughs> that they say. But in the sense that you're constantly having yourself reflected back at you mm-hmm. in your kids, because if they're doing something, they learned it from you or your husband or your spouse. And it's like constantly, what is that about my child that annoys me? It's probably something that they've seen <laughs> in me because <laughs> it's my little mini-me or mini-mirror. Um, but your kids are another form of perfection on earth. sir. <laughs> honestly, especially Khadija, she is sweet, sweeter than candy. Like she is literally sunshine in human form like how what did you do to your child to give her so much joy I don't know I don't she is a year and a half I don't know because they come out of the womb with their own personalities like she is a delight she really is the most joyful easy human being ever created she's independent she's like every like girl boss you know starting from birth like yeah. she is like phenomenal the little time I spent with her just had a smile the entire time yeah. like the default of her face yeah. is a smile. not for me in a way not too, <laughs> a smile. oh my goodness in a ways as well he's just such a lovely human being so I'm just so happy because that isn't always the case where you grow up with your friends right and then their life turns out to be
0: something so beautiful and uh, filled with so much joy and vibrancy because sometimes the story doesn't go that way so mm-hmm. it's just such a blessing for me to see all of that joy
1: and happiness although of course there's complexity to it. it's not always roses and sunshines I understand that yeah. but I think at the core of it what I've seen is that um, you've
0: made such a beautiful life for yourself
1: I and definitely I feel incredibly grateful to have the life that I have and it really has been it's been work right it's my parents raising me with islamic values and how important marriage and a family unit really is right so then i grasped onto that and like that has really paid dividends to the life that i live and like protecting me from heartbreak and you know the anxiety around all that comes out of like dating and being with other people and like, at the time when I'm like 21, I'm like, all I want to do is like, you know, experience that. Cause that's what everyone else is doing in my circle. Right. But like, I've seen like that has paid off abstaining from that, like to the life that I live now. And, and I also want that. Like, I feel like when I was younger, it's like, oh, I don't want to raise my kids. Like my parents raised me, but now I'm like, I see everything that they did. And I would probably do a lot of things that are incredibly similar to that. Um, because it's, it's paid off for me. And, and I know like my parents are so happy with my decisions. My heart is incredibly content with the life that I'm currently living. And it's funny because you had mentioned like in a, your first podcast with Sinan, he had mentioned like, Oh, he thought he would live like a sub, like he would live in the suburbs with like kids or whatever. And I was thinking I would be the exact opposite. I thought I would be like, this single person with like no kids, just like wandering around. So I like live kind of like the flip life that I thought I would live. And I'm just like eternally grateful that that is what happened. Right. It's like, we're as humans, like we don't see the bigger picture. Right. And it's like, if you're like trusting in God and trusting in something bigger that your life has more value, then it's like, okay, this was always meant for me and I need to accept it and I'll be happier because of it. Mm-hmm. I mean absolutely Samara because we were again as we talked about how we connected a lot um because of our faith and just our perspective and our worldview but like we were also similar in the sense that we both said like no we just want to experience life <laughs> you were so married, oh, yeah get married? i was like I what did they do you? what, what <laughs> like, did, they, did they move a little fast like okay uh, then i'm wondering i'm like that is a phenomenal human being He <laughs> was like such a great counterpart to kiko that you would have been ridiculous not to have yeah. them. You. you know it's so true because he tames me in the uh-huh. best way but also still lets me be my wild and free self and then participates in that with me and I didn't know that that was possible (laughs) I did not know that that was possible and actually my mother she had a conversation with me when I was dating 1J she was just checking in like the way she used to do and like how are you and 1J and then she says so what's your plan here Kiko? I was like, what do you mean, mom? I'm like only 24, 25. She goes, yeah, one day is quite older than you. Um, Are you serious with him? If you're not, then you need to let him go on and meet someone else so that he can, you know, start his life with that. You have time, but obviously he, you know, there's never an ending of when you can find love again. But it was in that aspect, it kind of shook me up because I was like, you're right. Like, I can't just, (laughs) just like play around here and think like, Oh, this great, amazing guy, like he's going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And until when I'm ready to maybe make that commitment, when we had to completely different countries, cultures, like there's so many things yeah. in play here. And my mom and her wisdom, as she always was, she was like, well, she, but she always said in such a light hearted way and kind of nonchalant, like, well, you need to decide if you're really serious about this or not, because don't waste this time. I was like, how what? <laughs> Whose side are you on? Bob. Yeah. <laughs> don't, waste a time. Right. <laughs> don't waste the time. And yeah, and I, I listened and I was like, you're right. I'm not going to waste your time. Yeah. Um, so and that was my my um reigning in
0: and it was so it was it was always a back and forth in my head, like, you know, I'm young, there's so much more that I can experience. Um, I don't know if I want to get married, but then with the whole, yeah, you know,
1: there, it's just completely different when you're marrying someone, when you uh, similar, like visa status or you're in, you have completely separate, you were born on a literal opposite ends of the planet, right? Right, And so there's so much that you have to do in order for your lives to come together in unison. And a lot of it is based on practicality. So um, that was my like shaking And nervousness. I was nervous all the way till I was walking down the aisle. I was like, what in the world? And I was looking out in the audience and like saw everyone in the audience was Korean, except for the few (laughs) American friends I had. And I was like, it was like an out-of-body experience. I cried the entire time because I was just so happy, but also like, oh my goodness, I'm getting married. (laughs) This is so crazy. Did you feel like, did you feel relief when you were married? Like, did you feel like- Yeah. like, Like, I felt like my head Cleared, like there was now room to do other things because I wasn't worried about getting married, like that, like or finding the person because like that happened and now there's like all oh, I was like my brain can like breathe now that this huge thing has been checked off my list. Yeah, yeah, it was quite similar for me, and especially it was also like the feeling of oh, like I can because we have been dating for quite some time before. And so to find be like, okay, like, you know, there's just something different about dating someone and then like being married to them and know like they chose you, like you chose each other in this contractual way, but also like you made this commitment to each other so that if you get in an argument or something, you're not going to just, it's not just over, yeah. right? Like you have to, there's a process there, which is like, I got you locked in that one. So, And you also have me locked in, so and not that much changed for us. Like it didn't. It's not like our relationship felt so different, but it just felt more steady, more, more. Um, like you can finally rest in it. I would say it was really good. Yeah. Wow, Samara. This is this is so. I mean, there's so many things I can talk to you about, and there's so many more things I want to say. But this this last segment that I have is called the Great School of Life. And so I know you've listened to I mean, a few yeah. of my podcast episodes. <laughs> These are rapid fire questions, and you can just re-
0: answer them in a sentence or a phrase, but no longer than a sentence. What book had the biggest impact on your perspective?
1: I, I really like Becoming by Michelle Obama. Okay, then what one book would you recommend to myself, our listeners? That will change their life. Check out uh, "Purification of the Heart." Um, it talks about all the diseases of our heart and how to have a remedy for them. So, like, if you're feeling jealousy, if you're feeling anger, how do you how do you remedy that? Mm-hmm. It's something I go to every couple of years when my heart needs a checking in on.
0: That's beautiful. I want to check it out, and I love that title. Okay. What is a belief that you once deeply held, but you
1: no longer believe in? That you can change people. It's better to focus on changing yourself or change yourself out of the situation, which is what I'm really trying to do, as you know. (laughs) Yes, and you you are and you've done so beautifully. Um, What are you trying to let go of right now? I'm trying to let go of control uh i realize i am the most organized orderly human being and that is not how everybody else lives so it's important to like live a little and like let life in and trust the people that you have brought into your life mm, that's good i think that's something we all can can do more of especially myself Especially, I'm like, the, I'm a control freak as well, it's fair. so I, I love that. I'm going to re-list, re-listen to this and add it as an affirmation for myself every morning. <laughs> okay, so from this book called Wabi Sabi by Beth Kempton, she says, in literature, haiku moments are when it feels as if time itself is winking at us. We're completely immersed in an experience unbothered by past or future, fully
0: present in the moment. So what is an example of a haiku moment that you've had recently?
1: I think I'm just trying to take it day by day and not think ahead, enjoy the winds and not just continue planning ahead of time. But I think it also goes with the control, just like chill out and enjoy being and being alive and present. Mm. That's good. And my last question for you is so, what is the definition of a friend? A friend is someone who shows up when there are big moments in life and is there when they're a call away and won't make excuses about it. And you, my dear Kiko, Aww. are a definition of a friend. <laughs> Samara, <laughs> you are, you are, that is so much more. You are have been and meet to me a therapist, a friend, a wise sage, but a voice of reason, and then just someone to enjoy their company. Like, and that is that is that is a whole picture of being just a brilliant human being. So I'm just so grateful for you in my life, Savera, and thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. Of course, Kiko. This is This is
0: joyful. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, make sure to pass it along to someone else in your life. Remember, you don't just live a life, you can create it. Why not make it colorful?